0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Languages Week 2023. This entire week is in collaboration between Radio Monash and the Monash School of Languages, Literature, Culture and Linguistics. Throughout the week, we will be sharing interviews from both the dedicated teaching staff and students from clubs and societies who will tell us a little bit more about studying a language and engaging in the culture. Alongside interviews, we will be playing music from all around the world in different languages. We literally have music from every single continent, so you'll literally get to hear uh, a variety of music from everywhere. But nonetheless, today I will be interviewing Barbara from the Italian program here at Monash.
1: Hi Barbara, how are you today? Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, sure. My name is Barbara Pezzotti. I'm a senior lecturer in the Italian program here at Monash University. I was born in Bergamo, which is a very pretty town near Milan uh, in Italy and I've been living in Australia since uh, 2017. Wow,
0: that's, have you enjoyed Australia so far? Like you've, loving the culture, loving the temperature, how
1: are you finding Australia? I found it really very nice. I mean, I had also a stint in New Zealand for 10 years. Mm. Um, So it's, I found it really very similar and different at the same time. Mm. Um, But I really enjoy uh, living in Melbourne in particular. Yeah, wow. And tell us a little bit about what the units you teach at Monash. Well, I'm teaching an intermediate um, unit, uh, intermediate one and two, and it's a very interesting combination of cultures and language. Mm. So apart from the language component, we start from the very beginning of Italian literature. So we do, um, um, we study a really masterpiece of Italian literature, which is The Divine Comedy by Dante Ah. Alighieri. which is in fact really very interesting and very gripping reading, especially The Inferno, because it's full of crime and violence and uh, all sorts of uh, very bloody stories. Yeah, and when, when was that released? Uh, it was, uh, um, we don't know exactly when it was written, but it was written probably 1312, 1318. Wow. So we're talking about the Middle Ages yeah. a long time ago. So it's a bit one of the, the first and finest examples of literature written in Italian.
0: Wow. And in your unit, because I'd imagine that a lot of those old literature had such an impact on Italian society, do you link a lot of those old ideas into modern Italy and how that
1: crafted modern Italy? Absolutely. Uh, uh, First of all, the language itself. We still use some expressions of the Divine Comedy to Mm. describe um, a situation, um, for example, uh, when we use the, the word inferno, To describe a very unpleasant and smelly and very sweaty situation, especially (laughs) like like traveling by uh, the bus 601 to come to Clayton (laughs) campus sometimes. Well, for us, it's an uh, inferno. And yeah. we refer to Dante's Inferno, obviously. And there are so many other expressions that we use in our everyday life that really derives from mm. this book. That's amazing that all those expressions have held up, even if this was a book release in like the 1300s. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. Yes, yes, it is. But you have very lucky because we have a lot of really significant masterpieces in Italian literature. Definitely. But I think
0: that's great, though, because if you're a student wanting to get into Italian, you have plenty of media to get into. Um, could you talk a bit on about uh, like the movies and television or even some of the I know we've already talked about books, but would you say there's a wide variety of students to get into in Italian media Media if they want to um, immerse themselves?
1: Well, yes, definitely. Well, we use a lot of different media in our um, teaching in class. For example, we use a lot of advertisement. Coming back to our old dear Dante Alighieri, (laughs) there is still today a lot of advertisement with Dante Alighieri as the protagonist, so we always make sure to show how um, these masterpieces of Italian literature and these important writers inform our contemporary popular culture. And uh, we make use of TV series, for example. Yeah, Um, I'm using Game of Thrones to explain Machiavelli's political thoughts. Um I love that modern culture oh. input that sounds great So this is what we do in all our classes actually to try to uh, to show the impact of uh Old stuff yeah. into <laughs> everyday life uh, today, so to make it really relevant and interesting for our students. Yeah, which honestly sounds so engaging, and I'm I, I guess that
0: that really helps with also learning the Italian language and how you incorporate that. Could you speak on how your approach to speaking, uh, sorry, teaching Italian is? Because, for instance, Italian uh, compared to some of the other Romance languages like Spanish or French has had a really large, globe like it's it's spread a lot globally. Mm-hmm. Because of colonization and stuff, but I know Italy had its wave of colonization a little bit later on, but it has mainly stayed within Italy. Mm-hmm. Could you talk on about how that, I guess, how the language has evolved in Italy and by staying mainly in Italy mm-hmm. compared to some of the other Romance languages?
1: Yeah. Look, um, well, uh, for a start, um, there are several countries that have Italian as their main languages. Oh, wow. Um, well, they are very small countries, but for example, <laughs> Samarino and uh, Vatican City. <laughs> are, are uh, in it, Italy, though, does that count? <laughs> it's not Italy. It's not technically Italy. Technically, the, technically. Are different countries. And Switzerland um, and uh, is, Italian is also an official minority language. Uh, in Croatia and in, in Slovenia oh, and wow. in other parts of yeah, Eastern Europe. And is widely spoken also in Northern Africa in the former colonies. But you are right. I mean, in comparison to spe- to Spanish or to France is a more contained yeah. um, kind of language. But what's interesting is that it has been and it still is to a certain extent the language of culture. Yeah. So if you think about the opera, music. Uh, there is a lot of there are a lot of expressions and words that are taken mm. from Italian. They are commonly used in, uh, in, in in music. So I would say that he, he, from a, a merely geographical perspective, uh, the Italian language is quite limited in scope. But it is if you think about the cultural aspect of it, and the fact that it has been used as a diplomatic language for a long yeah. time makes it really a cultural. Um, language. Definitely
0: and I guess speaking of stuff that students can do with Italian can you talk a bit about some of the careers some students can have after university with Italian like aside aside from the good old look um, uh, what's it called engaging with the culture and everything which is so which is one of the biggest cultures on earth really um, it's so widespread Um, like are there postgraduate opportunities
1: or Research opportunities that you could talk on. Yeah, look, uh, there are for for example, and for a start, there are a lot of exchange uh, opportunities for our students to uh, practice the language in Italy. Um, the uh, so we have exchange programs with universities in uh, Florence, for example. Venice is very popular. Yeah, um, we have our monash uh, monash uh, center in Prato, where students can. Uh, can uh, study the language and the culture. And since the Monash uh, Prato Center has become also a research hub, yeah. this is opening up opportunities for Italian students to do some research in Italy. Oh, that's, uh, That sounds so much fun. From uh, Yeah, we've been sheltered and helped mm. and supported by a Monash Center in Italy. So this is something that we really wanted to exp- expand in the near future. When we think about Italy, we normally have this very old-fashioned way of thinking about Italy, like the uh, country of arts and culture, which is all nice and true, but it's also um, a country of technology. We have a lot of Nobel Prizes in Mm. medicine, science, you name it. And Italy is also in the forefront for arts and design, architecture, engineering. So there are definitely some job opportunities also for students who have a double degree. For example. Yeah, yeah, definitely,
0: and which is I find that f- quite fascinating because I guess I've only been told a very stereotyped view of Italy, which is just you know music, opera, mm. books, film, and to find out that there's also so much else going on with engineering and, and science and stuff. I that that's something I learned today, which is very very cool. And going on a bit about Prato, because I think what's really cool, and tell me if I'm wrong, but you don't, because it's a part of Monash, you don't have to go through all the hoops and hassles that you would have to if you went on exchange at another university because it's through Monash. So can students go on like a semester, if they're studying um, Italian, can they go on like a semester exchange there or is it
1: module or how does that work? It works through modules, but you can do as many modules as you want. Yeah. (laughs) So you can end up by staying an entire semester. Our uh, six months um, in Italy. The ideal thing is to alternate some courses at the Monash Prato Centre with some internships. We have internship for teaching. So we have our students who are teaching uh, English yeah. in uh, uh, high school, for example. We have an internship program in journalism. So uh, students can uh, work in an Italo-English um, weekly magazine in yeah. Florence. So the ideal for our students would be to alternate some in-class experience with some internship. Um, So that you
0: definitely get the best of both worlds. You get the in-class, you get the um, out-of-class, you get a wide experience from that.
1: And differently from other disciplines, because you can go to Prato and study science and study law, uh, with our Italian students, you never stop learning, because (laughs) then you go out and you speak Italian in your everyday life. You do your shopping, you go to the pharmacy, uh, if you ended up in hospital, likely not, but you need to speak Italian because yes. it's a small center where not everybody can speak English. So for Italian students, a really a completely and full immersive experience. Yeah which I really highly recommend. And one thing I'd love to ask you is that
0: because it is such a small town and you can't really, it's hard to find English speakers, you really to—you uh, really are put out of your comfort zone. Do you have any advice to some students who are like, I know Italian really well and I wanna practice it, but cause speaking to natives, especially when you come from like a classroom environment can be quite intimidating. Do you have any advice for some students hoping to uh, ease their nerves in that sense?
1: Well, look, first of all, and I'm probably using a stereotype here, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not really a stereotype. Italians are nice people. Yes, <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they so are. we are very patient and we are also so excited to hear people speak in Italian because you don't expect it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then people tend really to help you out. So there is nothing to be worried about. Um, there is always a very welcoming, most most of the cases. I mean, there are also grumpy people in Italy. Yes, they're, they're, you know, they're, not, they're not like the French. <laughs> <laughs> no but, shade. But, you know, there are grumpy people in Italy, but mostly, you know, we, we are nice and welcoming with, with foreigners. So not to be scared, not to be scared to make mistakes, so yeah. not to be understood, because this is part of the process of learning. Yeah. If you don't make mistakes, you don't. Learn, and um I—I I, I mean, I, I did exactly the same. So I, I came to a English-speaking yeah. country, and and only ha- having these instructions in class, and then all of a sudden I had to immerse myself in a completely different culture and language. Just give it a go. Yeah. N- nobody's giving you a, a grade or a mark in the street, no. right? So. And the more opportunity you have and you create for yourself to speak Italian, asking questions, even if you already know the answer ask questions, ask questions. Um, is a very good way to learn mm.
0: and I think that's so great about the classroom too and when I first so for listeners who don't know I'm, I'm studying French and I was very intimidated mm. by making mistakes in class but one of the best parts about the classroom aspect is that you can, you're can't afforded to make mistakes you can make mistakes because um, you know that's the perfect opportunity and they can be corrected and you can save yourself the future embarrassment <laughs> if you uh, if you learn from your mistake and one of the things I hear a lot from students is that they're concerned that they can't completely learn a language at university. And I guess it more comes from a sense that a lot of us have been, I don't want to say brainwashed because that's a very strong word, mm-hmm. but there's this general, like, there's been a lot of media that has been like, oh, you learn how to speak Italian mm-hmm. or French in three months mm-hmm. to a fluent level. Or here's my quick course, it'll only take you two weeks and you'll be fluent. And the whole idea of fluency is a completely another topic. But how would you say, I don't want to say fluent, but how good of a degree can you get by studying Italian at uni? By the time you finish, if you do the full uh, three years to proficient, what would you say?
1: I would say that it depends obviously on the person committed. Yeah. You need to be motivated, definitely, and committed to learn a language uh, unfortunately, there is not a way of absorbing. <laughs> no. the- I-, I wish. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I wish too, but it's uh, it's um, it's not the case yet. So there is the- need some perseverance. And- perseverance, sorry, and commitment. But you can you can get from starting from um, beginners to proficient or even advanced classes. You can arrive at a very good level of uh, fluency. Yeah. Obviously, you need to do also some extra class. Uh, activities the more you do extra, the better it is. Definitely, and that means watch movies, listening to the radio. Um, SBS Italian, yeah, is a very good oh. radio program.
0: Do they have, so like, for instance, in French? I know they have SBS Slow French News. Do they have slow Italian news? Uh, yes, they
1: are also, which is so it helpful. Is Italian, yeah, so helpful. And, um, so uh, my mm, so I can say that if you are a good, you know, committed student, you can get a good level of uh, proficiency in the language, but obviously the more you do both in class and extra class, yeah, uh, the, the better it is obviously.
0: Well, then I guess uh, going a bit more on that topic, how what would be your best advice for students to learn a language? Like I know there's so much that you, that could be given, but if you had a student that was like oh, I'm really struggling at the moment, something's not clicking, I'm doing everything I can. what what advice would you give to them for learning a language?
1: First of all, you need to give yourself time. Yeah. You need to be patient with yourself because learning a language, it's a process and a process needs time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So don't think, don't think that you are not good enough. Don't frustrate yourself. Uh, Just be patient. Sometimes there are people who need a little bit more time to click with the language and all, all of a sudden something change. Yeah. Almost. This happened to me uh, when I studied uh, French. I struggled a little bit at the beginning and then one moment, I don't know why, everything was really clear to me. And um, Yeah, that epiphany moment. Yes, exactly. And you just need to relax uh, and not be too anxious about it. Yeah. I think that the anxiety is the worst enemy of language acquisition. Absolutely. And we are the the worst enemies of ourselves sometimes so give yourself time uh, be perseverant and committed and everything will be fine
0: I love that advice yeah because I think and as I was saying before there's been so much media around being like oh yes you can learn a language quickly and in three months
1: or whatever but it's such it's a long it's a it's a lifelong process absolutely I've been living in Australia for a lot many many years and I married a Kiwi guy Mm. and he's even today, sometimes he laugh at me and say, what did you say? Can you just repeat what you just said? And I'm thinking, oh-oh. What did I I do? What did I do, what did I say? And after so many years, you just need to be very, I mean, very patient with yourself and also accept that, um, yeah, maybe you will never be perfect, but who's Mm. perfect? Exactly, and like I have, and
0: as I was saying beforehand with this idea of fluency, I don't think, unless you were raised bilingual and even then, I, th- I think this idea of fluency is so funny to me because when everyone's like, oh, are you fluent in this language? Are you fluent in that language? And when I ask a lot of international students who come over here and study, I'm like, oh, wow, you're so fluent in English. They'll be like, no, 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 no. I, I have enough to get me by. I'm have like, I'm, I'm good. It, it, it does what it needs to do. And so you don't need to be fluent to essentially say you can speak a language, but you can get there. And as long as you're enjoying yourself, immersing yourself in the culture and doing the activities you want to do. Yeah. I think- and
1: always think that also Italians, for example, make yeah. mistakes when they speak. Absolutely. You know, I can I hear grammar mistakes and, you know, same, very weird. Same same in, same in English. English like- <laughs> <laughs> so, so if perfection does not belong to Italian either, why should you? Uh, exactly uh, be perfect perfection is not of this word no and like
0: I've already made grammatical errors in English in this interview anyway so like it's it, like chasing perfection it's just going to harm me more in the long run um and kind of moving on a little bit One of the things that I found interesting when learning French is we have the Alliance Francaise, which is essentially the language police, Mm. and they make sure that the French language is upheld to a certain standard. Um, I'm not sure if Italian has the same thing, but could you talk a bit on whether or not – because English is such a global language these days – if the Italian language is in any way, shape or form threatened by English's global dominance –
1: uh, well, yeah, I think the, all the languages yeah. are. But I'm really very patient. It's uh, it's a question of phases. So <laughs> English won't be dominant forever. No, <laughs> uh, this is just your time. Yes, it's your time it, to shine. <laughs> but it won't last forever. Yeah, I mean, in a way, yes. Uh, but in another sense, um, Italian really cater for the desire for so many things. They are so peculiarly. Italian, Yeah, that um, it is in fact one of the most um, learned and taught um, languages uh, for just for fun or yeah. for, you know, uh, as a second language acquisition, you know, so there is this threat and this global, but uh, I think that um, until people really love Italy and Italian culture and um, what Italian, uh, Italy has given to the world, we will survive.
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's mm-hmm. great to hear because um, whilst, look, I like English, I speak it, it's my native language, um, there's so much beauty in other languages that I, I don't want other languages to die out, they're mm-hmm. so beautiful. Um, but I guess this is a bit more of a personal question. Mm-hmm. What is your favourite piece of Italian media? Like I know you've got the stuff you teach in your course, but if you had to go home, pour yourself a glass of wine, sit on the couch and chill out and relax, what, what are you watching that's in Italian? To watch in Italian,
1: mm, let me think. Um, well, I, I'm specialized in crime fiction. This yeah. is my line of research. Uh, so I, I like to watch crime series. And I, there are some Italian crime series. They are really very, very interesting at the moment and cutting edge. And uh, so I'm watching at the moment the Imma Tatarani TV series. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the, um, the TV series with the protagonist, A Woman and she is an investigative judge. It's very comic and humoristic, but it also deals with in- interesting issues in Italian society at the moment, like environmental issues. And it's set in Matera, which is one of the most beautiful southern city in Italy. So I would say that what I mostly watch both for work and pleasure, is crime fiction and mm. crime fiction in Italian.
0: Yeah, but to be honest, like, even I have my genre and I stick with it. Like, I'm still trying to find, like, good French science fiction and fantasy that that's my bread my bread and butter or a good contemporary. So um, I didn't even stray out of English with that genre, but that sounds fantastic. And another thing I wanted to ask, because I feel like this is such a common question, but I still find it very interesting anyway, how difficult would you say learning Italian is from an English-speaking background c- compared to if you come from a French or a Spanish background because I know for instance me studying French I've already seen so many Italian words in French which I think has something to do with a, the Roman conquest or the Roman Empire at some point but don't quote me on that
1: yeah well they are all come from Latin so Spanish yeah. and French and, and Italian so there are some there is uh, some common ground. Uh, from me, I think that a couple of things are really very hard to grasp, but not impossible.
0: Yeah, not impossible.
1: <laughs> Nothing is impossible to grasp for it, uh, English students. Well, first of all, the the big barrier is the the gendered yeah. gender. Everything is gendered, like in French. So, table is masculine, chair is feminine, and you need to change the adjective accordingly. Yeah. So this is one big barrier uh, for English speakers, and it's a common mistake that you keep. On doing even at very advanced level. So it looks like a basic mistake, but it's not.
0: Out of interest, then, compared to French, for instance, I find the grammar rules, especially for nouns and adjectives, are very irregular Mm -hmm. in French, whereas I think in Spanish, it's quite straightforward. Like, there's a lot more rigid rules around it, like, oh, if it's it's feminine, just add an A on the end, or don't quote me Spanish speakers, this is just what I've been told, Um, or if it's masculine, there's another ending, and it's pretty, um, like, it's a pretty reliable rule. How irregular would you say the endings are for um, gendered nouns and adjectives in Italian?
1: Well, we have the A for feminine and the O for masculine, like in Sp- in Spanish, so we, we share that. But we also have quite a few words that ends in E that can be masculine or feminine, so you just need to know. Yeah. So that, that's definitely um, a difficulty. Um, another thing is the subjunctive which is oh, the subjunctive that you have in Spanish and French. So all the difficulties that you can find in Spanish and in French, you will probably find in, uh, in Italian. Mm. But we don't write accents, which is something that makes Italian easier, A little bit easier. Easier Definitely. To, to write. Yeah. So spelling in Italian is quite straightforward. The way you pronounce a, a word is the way you write it. So you say it's quite a phonetic language? Yes, it is. So that makes it easier to yeah. say than French, for example. Well, then what about? Because I know
0: in French we have well, there's a, there's a a level of formality, especially with like uh, tu and vous. Uh, do you have a format like a formal register? Um, yes, in we, Italian.
1: Yes, yes we have, uh, and we use lei uh, for you know addressing people you don't know or older than you or you're in a position of power yeah. to some extent, and the tu um, for you know you're equal, even though things are changing in Italian. In the last few years, I've seen that the two, so the informal language has gained ground. Yeah. And there are fewer and fewer people who are using the polite version, which is in a way nice because it makes the society more democratic. But on the other hand, I was looking forward to be addressed with <laughs> lay. And now that it's my turn, you're like it's my turn. <laughs> I <laughs> want my formality. I <laughs> want my lay. And uh, everybody's addressing me with two. Uh, never
0: mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair enough. It's just like, I've spent all my life giving you the formal version. I want my <laughs> chance. I want my chance. So I guess too, with the tenses, Um, I know there's the subjunctive, which for English native speakers only, that's a fun tense. Uh, (laughs) Even I I struggle to wrap my head around that one. Um, But would you say there's a lot of other different tenses that English speakers don't have? Like, for instance, um, I know in French, uh, there's a past tense. I think it's called the passé simple, which is only used in written um, formats to refer to like the past tense. It's very similar to the passé composé, which is essentially for the people at home who don't know what the hell the passé composé is, it is essentially a past tense for a completed action. So if you said, oh, I went to the shops this morning, that's what you would use the passé composé for. It's a completed action. It definitely happened and whatnot. So are there any tenses in Italian that aren't used or that are different from English aside from the subjunctive?
1: Uh, yes, past tenses. Um, we have quite a few of them. And we have the difference between the passé sample and the passé composé in French. So it's, I would say, easier to move from Italian to French yeah, and to Spanish definitely. than from English. But um, since the the difficulties are quite the same, my suggestion is: if you are an English speaker and you already know French, why don't you try Italian? Italian? Yeah. At that point, you have already addressed a lot of the difficulties that you can find in a Romance language. So why don't take advantage of it and yeah. add another language, another similar language to your?
0: portfolio. Yeah, absolutely, and honestly, even the benefits of just learning how to learn a language, and if you want to learn another one, it helps out so much. Yeah,
1: and I've read recently that in fact, learning a, a foreign language is a way to fight Alzheimer's yes. At the age. Yes. So, uh, this is another good reason is. for uh, learning um, a second language.
0: Well, that's actually a great opener to one of my next questions, which is a bit more personal. But as somebody who does speak a second language, and I think even a third language, I think you are saying you learned um, French as well. What are some of the benefits or how has learning another language um, changed your life, essentially?
1: Well, it makes me more open-minded uh, for uh, the appreciation that the fact that the world is so different. Yeah. That things can not also be said, but also be done in a different way. So if we only learn a language, we confine ourselves to a very small word, even yeah. if it's English. It's a very <laughs> small word. But if, if you learn a language and through a language you also understand a, a different way of living or thinking or behaving, because this is the true way there are yeah. differences, then you open up your mind to new possibilities and that means that you may travel more make like more exciting experience, but also, or also you always stay here in australia but you have a different perception of what's it's it's around you yeah. and how the world can be really um it's very interesting because it's so different
0: it is but it's also wonderful exploring that though and for instance i will never uh fully this is such a hard thing to express or like find words to say but the first time when you really comprehend another language like without translating it into your native language is such an amazing moment especially when it's so when you're understanding something deeply a part of that other culture like i read a book English translation first and then I read the French version and just that feeling and understanding that French was so uh, world-opening and mind-opening I guess.
1: Yeah absolutely I mean there is always something lost in translation. Absolutely. I appreciated translation studies and the the work of a translator is you know absolutely fantastic. Yes. but There is always something lost in translation or gained in translation too so but if you wanted to have a direct access to a culture, the best way is to, to read or to be exposed to the original language.
0: Absolutely. And to wrap up, do you have any final words you want to say or do you want to give like a final push of come study Italian at Monash? You won't
1: regret it. You'll have fun. Well, what, do, what do you want to say? Well, we're a bunch of very nice uh, people and we're very enthusiastic about uh, teaching the language. We are also enthusiastic about mm. learning from our students. Yeah. So the more you are, the better it is for us. Please come and study Italian. Uh, if you have studied another language, this is a good opportunity to expand your portfolio. If it's your first stint at a second language, um, it's a very, very nice way of opening up your word.
0: Definitely. Well, thank you, Barbara, so much for your time. I've hoped you've had a lovely time here.
1: It was really very enjoyable. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And to our
0: listeners at home, don't forget we have some lovely Italian music coming up next. And stick around for that. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much.